And uh, here we go! Hey guys, welcome to episode 99 of CMD Towers mm. Brews and Builds. I'm Mr. Comet number 5, and my fellow host has recently achieved his apex of power, being the parking lot makeout bandit, Woo! Big Tuck. I can confirm, added another one to the list yesterday in the building that I live in, on a rampage out here. Uh, oh, is it, wait, is that your uh, next door neighbor? No, no. Uh, I did meet her. Hold on. Okay, wait. We'll get into that. Uh, although we should have with the pirate episode because she has, she like lives quote unquote pirate life. It's it's awesome. But anyway, uh, hello orchestras and orchestras. Uh, this is uh, this is gonna be a good one, I think. But yeah, uh, I did finally get to hang out with the neighbor. She's a very lovely girl. She's kind of a maniac. Uh, but I think she's going to be a really good person to know. Uh, maybe come in and check on Mr. Bubbles. Also, a big update on the Bubs man. He's finally out of his cone. So What? He, yes, finally, after almost six months in it, he's finally free. Um, he's still scared of his own shadow. He's starting to get more cuddly by hooker by crook, a.k.a. when I tackle him onto the bed and shove my face into and or around his belly. Uh, and then last thing I want to say is I'm drinking this sweet water and it's the quote unquote 420 varietal and it definitely has got a little, a little, it definitely has the hemp type flavor. So Ew. I also have some, so I, this is one of the things I load to ever admit, but Mr. Combo did get me pretty good this week because I had my own truck talk issues where, Ooh. yeah. Uh, so I bought the forerunner used. And Mr. Combo brought up the fair point of, well, you might as well just spend the extra 10 grand or whatever to get a newer one that's like factory fresh, low mileage, all that jazz. Then you have to worry about it. And I was like, and the most important part is that it comes with a bumper to bumper yes. warranty. So if shit breaks down, you don't have to deal and with it. And you're also brought up the fair point of like, I know you're like me. We're the same. Like cars is something we, the car problems are something we will solve with money, not time or effort. Right. Exactly. Like if something's wrong in my car, I will pay someone to do it so I can drive it. <laughs> so I finally took it in because uh, I was having some problems with the alternator. Need to get fixed. I also, while I bought it in, uh, want to do the, the 120,000 mile required maintenance, which I'm glad I did because I can tell the brakes already better. It's like $2,800. So it's like, well, there go the tattoo ideas. And now the stuff I was going <laughs> to do, it's like, it, it would be like, what's the analogy where you're like, you're like dating someone and you're and you were going to get them like nice jewelry, but instead they want like plastic surgery or something. You're like, all right, fine. Like I was going to get you this nice thing that you want, but instead I have to do this like maintenance thing. Right. <laughs> and that's like the PG version of that story. It could have got like, it just got a lot darker, uh, but it is raining here. I have another date tonight. So, you know, another, another day, another dollar out here in out here in the North Carolina state, you look worried. And also what happened to your arm? You have like what a you, mean? you have a bruise on your arm. I can see it right there. Oh, just Fourth of July shenanigans. We'll just leave it there. <laughs> what did you fall um, again? Yeah, no, it was uh, just a bunch of yeah. drunken shenanigans and shit that happens on the fourth. Yep. Uh, the but I did smoke an eighteen-pound wagyu brisket. Ooh. Oh my gosh, Tuck. I'm Actually, you know what? I'm a I'm a terrible podcaster. I need to, I'm gonna post this to the Discord because I don't believe I have yet. Uh, but everyone universally did say it's one of the best briskets they've ever Hell had. Yeah. And we all know Jared is not one to say that you've done the best at anything. So I was Correct. like, give me honest opinions. And he's like, 
The only complaint I have is your crust was very crunchy. Mm, okay. But I actually like my, I like my brisket yeah, yeah, with yeah. a crunchy exterior. So it's like, oh, well, that's just personal preference. That doesn't actually mean like Hell you yeah. didn't like it. How much of that so, did you yeah, have left no. over? Have you been like, is that like what you've been eating this whole week too? Surprisingly, I didn't have a lot left over. What? Uh, people ate quite a bit. Um, I think I had enough for, I don't know, call it four barbecue sandwiches this week. Okay. So think about it, 18 pounds, and I had like maybe a pound of meat left over, maybe pound and a half. It was, it was so a, it was a big I'm hit. glad though, everyone ate through it. Um, so that was a lot of fun. And yeah, it's just the end of our quarter. And yeah. I've started to realize because I've been so hyper-focused on like getting to the next level, I haven't really done a great job at making sure projects for future are like in line and ready to go. So I've started like our pipeline review internally for the next quarter, like I usually do three weeks before we start. Ooh. And it's like, ooh, we do <laughs> not have a ton of revenue in here, which makes me very concerned uh, on hitting the number. So it, it kind of was a wake up call. Like, yeah, I probably need to like be a little bit more proactive. Call to action, yeah. And, and trying to do stuff instead of just trying to get out of this job. Um, but other than that, uh, Dungeons and Dragon previews are done. You guys will probably have heard that on news earlier in the week. Thank God. And I am going to start building my dungeon, the dungeon deck one. today. <laughs> Maybe that's what we'll kick so off. Excited. Maybe that's what we'll kick off our soon-to-be-announced Season 3. Because Ooh. we have no idea what we're going to be doing for it. Spoiler alert, we'll peek behind the curtain. <laughs> we went in. We went into Season 2 pretty, pretty well-cocked, and we are not even close to the mark yet, so... Stay tuned well, for that. If you guys want to know what is on the mark uh, is the actual content we think about putting out. Uh, so you should head over to our sponsored level one game shop.com. They do sell tabletop games, dice, and everything you need from a Magic the Gathering perspective. Uh, and of course, they're the ones that help out with those monthly giveaways. But if you would actually like to put dollars in our pockets, one of the things we're actually looking to do right now is upgrade the video computer that we had bought last year and a half ago to do video YouTube editing. Uh, now that T-Coats has taken that over, we're looking to sell this off and upgrade into a streaming rig so we can actually get uh, kind of the CMD Dower HQ set up so we can actually start recording gameplay videos Oh, because uh, it turns out this computer can't handle it. So our Patreon, patreon.com slash CMD Tower, from just a dollar a month to five to 15 to 25, there's a myriad of ways that you can help support us. And of course, with every single tier, you get more and more free stuff. Like for example, if you sign up now, you should be eligible for the next round of RK Post tokens. I should be getting our third set here shortly. Uh, and that's so whenever we get those in, as long as you've been a patron for at least three months, we will go ahead and send those free tokens out to you. And of course, we do have our store, cmdtower.com slash merch, a redacted bit, get shit out of my basement. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and of course, our referral program, if you're an existing patron and you get someone to join the collective, have them message us on Patreon or in Discord and say, hey, this person referred me and we'll send you the referrer some free stuff. And every episode, we do want to give a big shout out to Redacted Band. Thank you for the music. And Squee McGee, our awesome audio producer at Dear Squee on Twitter or Dearsquee at cmdtower.com. If you need help with your audio editing needs, Squee can help you out, especially with that sweet-ass MacBook Pro he got. 
yeah. and our fantastic video editor. Thank you for always uh, evolving our YouTube channel. Thank you for the hilarious cover art you did. The one you did for my average Brina's gym was hilarious. Uh, I kind of want to get that made on a t-shirt. <laughs> so at underscore teacoats. Uh, and guys, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, to our podcast platforms, and leave comments so we know how you guys want to produce. Like we heard you, Tux Audio sucked. So we got him a new microphone. But now it sounds great. <laughs> Until you yelled. <laughs> so Bruise and Builds is our deck tech series. Since we conquered the path to 32, we have moved on to the endless themes that EDH can bring us. Each month will be a new theme, and we correlate how these decks are constructed similar to how beer is brewed. So we broke it down into four different categories. The first one's ramp and setting your board state. We call that grain. And grains are the foundation of every beer. They include both base malts and specialty malts, usually in about a 60 to 40 ratio. This helps with the color, the taste, and most importantly, the alcohol content of the beer. Decks always need ways to grow, stabilize, and ramp in your bigger threats. And just like a grain profile, they're usually a mix of staples and specialty cards. And then we have how does your... Uh, deck really interact with your opponents and their board states. We call that hops. And hops give the beer its patented bitterness and herbal floral flavors. They grow in a variety of strands and help distinguish, and I quote, dank subcategories like this 420 strain IPA that tastes a little bit like hemp, aka not my favorite. Our hop choices help clearly interact with the board so your deck can ultimately do what it wants. And then we have how does your deck actually close out or win the game? We call that yeast. And yeast are living microorganisms that eat the sugar from the grain and poop out alcohol and CO2. It adds alcohol content in the carbonation. Without yeast, you'd be, doing, you'd be drinking flat sugar water. And without yeast cards, your deck wouldn't meet the goal of actually winning the game. But then we have shenanigans. It gets to be pet cards, synergies. Unfortunately, Alt of the Brood couldn't make the cut. We call that spice. Finally, not every beer has them, but spices and other additives help separate a normal stock beer from a specialty one. It could be the pepper that turns a stout into jalapeno stout or the addition of dank hops that turn IPA into a dank IPA. Not every deck has something that makes it pop, but if it does, this is where we generally talk about it. So dank, bro. So dank, bro. Hitting the gnar, man. <laughs> and then to wrap up the episode, we do have a bottle capping. These are going to be big Texanized cuts and adds to the deck. They're going to be under $5, under $50, and a no-budget personal recommendation. We just can't talk about mana-only lands. So without further ado, let's get brewing. We are continuing our theme this month of let's take a pre-con and upgrade it and kind of see where we get. Maybe a win con even. Ooh. And so today we're going to be talking about the is it pre-con, because I refuse to call it by whatever you <laughs> think it be, should be called for, now. For, for the new home game, or should I say the stadium game, uh, it is Prismari. And so we're going to be talking about Zafi's Uncontrollable Orchestra. So this is Zafi Thunder Conductor. Big Tuck, why don't you read off what the card is, and then I'll talk about why I decided to build this, considering I constantly talk about how I hate Is It. Yes, and spell slinging decks in general, kind of, right? Yep. Um, so she is a legendary creature, Human Shaman. That's a 1-4, a mythic coming in around $2. Um, and Seems like a myth that it's not a wizard. Yes, yeah, right, of course. Uh, also, keen-eared listeners might see why wizards should maybe stop putting out 20 products a year. Whenever you cast or copy an instant sorcery spell, scry one. If that spell's mana value is five or greater, create a 4-4 blue and red elemental creature token. If that spell's mana value is 10 or greater, Zafi, Thunder, Collector, not Conductor, Collector, on the printed card, deals 10 damage to an opponent chosen at random. Come on! <laughs> it's so easy. <laughs> There's like four misprints in this set that are just like embarrassing. Yes. 
Uh, so the only reason I decided to build this deck, as I talked about multiple months ago, whenever a pre-con comes out or set, and I do end up getting them, and I usually only do it with the commander sets, I don't usually buy the pre-cons of the expansion sets. Like a Dungeons and Dragons, I'm not gonna buy the pre-con for that. That's just, I don't have any interest in it. I don't think I bought any of the ones for Commander Legends or any of the ones for, um, Oh gosh, oh, what uh, came out before Strixhaven? Uh, no, before Strixhaven. Because uh, this Kaldheim. came out with Strixhaven. Kaldheim. Kaldheim. Yes. Didn't buy any of the ones for Kaldheim, but I will buy the legitimate Commander 2020 whatever type products. And so I bought them. We unsleeve or we unboxed them. I think I grabbed the Orzov one to play. Yep. And then Mr. Magoo grabbed the Zafai one. And it was just like, okay, whatever. <laughs> The ridiculous shenanigans that he did in that game with a pre-con, it just exploded my mind. So I said, okay, game two, I want to play that deck. I didn't win, but I also did gross, disgusting things throughout. And I was like, okay, this seems like a deck I would thoroughly enjoy playing. Right, right, right. Tons of triggers, tons of things that you have to remember. Uh, get to use the awesome reminder token uh, from CMD Tower featuring myself. Of course. You can buy it on cmdtower.com slash merch. Ooh, there we go. Hey shameless plugs. Was well, is, is it really shameless if it's our own channel? No, absolutely not. And so that's kind of what got me onto Safai. I got to see it played a few different times with a few different people, and it legitimately always did the same thing. Didn't always win, but it was just like, okay, this spell's going to go into that, and that spell's going to go into that, yeah, yeah. and then I'm going to copy this, which is also going to get me triggers. Because I think that's the cool thing is with this Magecraft, the cast or copy, Usually you don't get it for the copy. Yeah, right. Uh, you get it for for you know just cast, but getting it for both and getting all of this stuff seems disgusting. Yeah, and it seems we've kind of talked about how these colors and is it especially if you're doing spell slinger, it's really easy that the decks all kind of feel the same e right. And there are certain mm -hmm. cards that just are good in them, but I do like the fact that this really wants you to benefit out of like the higher casting cost out of it. When, when it doesn't really give a lot of discount, right? And if you're just looking through here, that's something I like about the build that you've done is like you don't like have, you know, a ton of reductions, right? You don't have a ton of things to yeah. like have these super explosive turns, but you'd still gonna be able to, you still have like a good curve, even though the cost casting, the total CMC is a little high at, you guessed it, boys, 420, <laughs> blaze it. Woo! <laughs> so yeah, I think, I think she's a really interesting, um, I think she's a really interesting commander. Although I, when you told me you were building this, I was shocked because I thought you were going to be going for the backup commander. Because even when we were reviewing them, you correctly identified yep. that Alibu would be the one that was more interesting to me. Um, and this one was more interesting to you. So I was a little surprised that you that you went with the face commander, but she seems to be pretty good. I have not seen this card yet, so I can't really weigh in on it. But like I said, I think it's a fun build and there's some really fun cards in here that you've kept and added. Yeah, and as you pointed out, you know, 4-2, my mana base is just about perfect. Nailed it. Which, did, uh, great. Was that just a happy accident, or have you, like, did you go and happy like, accident? Isn't that wild? Like, these are just out of the pre-cons. Yeah. Well, well, and I did take out, I believe I took out lands, because I'm pretty sure the pre-cons come with more lands than what I had in here. Yeah. I have... Uh, 35 yep. i think they usually come at 37 to 38 mm -hmm. so i actually did strip out lands and i've replaced i think quite a few cards in the deck um i, I probably with this and the orzov precon probably swapped out about 40 percent of the non-land cards yeah sure uh give or take 
And so I was I was pleasantly surprised that it came to there. And I was also shocked that I'm kind of doing binder bullshit with these and just grabbing yeah, cards. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised that it's still only coming in at around 300 to 350. Yeah, that which I is, would have thought with some random card I would have thrown in. It's like boom, it's now a thousand dollars because you didn't realize this card is five hundred. Well, you didn't put in the Aber duel, which was nice, even though you could have. So I respect you there. Uh, and yeah. I think, like I was gonna ask you, did you end up have or did you or have you bought any cards to put in here, or has it just been what you had lying around? What I had lying nice. around. Nice. I respect. I think that's awesome. So yeah, I think if you look at the curve, there's like a handful of cards that are like kind of in the higher end of expensiveness, but most of them are like two bucks here, three bucks here. And that starts to add up as you look through, obviously blue is one is one of the best colors of magic. So most of their cards that come with them are usually carry a little bit higher of a price point. All right. And of course, as part of our patron rewards, we're going to announce that good old Dustin Gaunt uh, got to pick our voices this week. Which, I don't know, Tuck, should we start, like, previewing in the beginning, like, hey, this is the patron that picked the voices, and these are the voices for the names that they picked? Or do we keep it as a surprise for later? I think we keep it as a surprise, because we'll say that this is the voice. Well, I think now, like, we have it down to where we'll be able to tell and be like, this is the new voice for it. Okay. Can you guess it? Yeah. All right. Well, let's start. Go ahead and start with the grains, and I'm going to kick this off with a card that I am a humongous fan of. It's a draw card, 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 but it repeats and repeats and repeats, and you can never stop refraining from drawing cards. Yes, 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 you cannot. Are you ready? Let's go. Three, two, one. Inspiring refrain. Inspiring refrain. Four colorless blue, blue sorcery rare. And what I'll do, Tuck, is I'll continue reading, but you, because this is a little different suspense, so I'll have you actually read through it. Uh, but the sorcery basically states, guys, draw two cards, exile inspiring refrain with three time counters on it. Yeah, and then out of the gates, it also has to spend three, two colorless and a blue. Rather than cast this card from your hand, you may pay two colorless and a blue and exile it with three time counters on it. At the beginning of your upkeep, remove a time counter. When the last is removed, cast it without paying its mana cost. So basically, you pay three, you wait three turns, you draw two cards, and then for free, it goes yeah. back out there. And so then every three turns, you're drawing two cards for no cost. That's great. Yeah, I like I like it. And like I think that this is, I know you hate cards that just draw you cards. So I think the argument can be made like if you wanted to put in something that was like more efficient, you could. But I like the randomness of the suspend, right? And that kind of lets you you know that going into that turn, you're already going to get, what, like the 4-4 out of Zaffy when it gets cast, and then it goes back on suspend. So I think that's a good way, too, to like sync up what cards you want to play in that turn, right? Hold off on some of your smaller ones. Maybe this goes into like a big storm pile or something along those lines. Draws you into things that you want. So I like that. I like that kind of randomness of it and how it kind of telegraphs, but no one's going to try to stop this, right? Like, a lot of things that come yeah. up suspend, you're gonna people will, will want to stop, but here they're like, I let you draw two cards. But granted, I think to that point though, because every time it comes off suspend, you're gonna get a four-four blue-red elemental creature token, and you get to scry yes, one. Yes, right. So maybe someone at some point is like, you know what? He's gonna get the copy, but we have to counter it because these four-four tokens are We're gonna whooping start our stacking ass. up. Yeah, or, for sure. You know what? He he's trying to set up for that that big play. So that's why I like it. It's a small three mana investment to suspend it, but then you're literally getting two of three Zafi's abilities and drawing two cards every three turns. Right. 
I I don't know, man. This is a card that at what forty five cents. Yeah, yeah. I could see myself buying in bulk and putting in almost all my decks. Wow. I would rather do this than brainstorm, to be honest. Wow. All right. I mean, that's this is a weird. It's weird hearing you gush about something it's that weird. just gushes for you. I know. <sighs> All right. Well, Big Tuck, what card was your second? I was shocked to see that you left this in here. Um, but I think this also is a this because this is one that I've cut out of a lot of decks that I thought it'd be good in. Um, but I think it, this one actually really works well with this commander. So Brass's Bounty. So six colorless and a oh, red. Oh, it's so good. It's, it's see, it's weird because okay, it's a sorcery for about a dollar ish. Um, dollar dollar twenty five. For each land you control, create a treasure token. Now, it's been a while since I've seen Legend, but uh, the voice is the Lord of Darkness, which is, for those playing the home game, Tim Curry as effectively the devil. And I believe it would sound a little something like this. <clears throat> Why squabble for trinkets when we could be living large off of all this gold? From uh, our old pal, the bitch, Admiral Breckett Bass. So yeah, I uh, I don't I don't know if that voice is accurate. I like the effort. It's one of the better voices you've done. Thank you. You may continue. Uh, and the reason why is because it's just how I normally talk after like I've been drinking and smoking cigarettes. So it wasn't that much of a oh, reach. Okay. But so this is a weird one because I don't this this isn't like a land ramp, right? But I think the reason why this works so well in here is again similar in scope to the other one. You get you get to scry. You get to get your elemental, and by the time you cast this, it will either be early enough where the four or five lands you get off of it, if you have like a bunch of artifact ramp or something like that, that will kind of quote unquote pay for itself and also pay off for another bigger turn down the road. Um, so I think in this deck in particular, this is like a, this isn't a, I win card. This is a, I'm setting up now for the next big turn down the road. Well, and actually the way it's played in every game I've seen it in, it is the I win card. Really? Because 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 the way that Zafi works and the reason I enjoy it is it's your spending mana on these spells that only give you more mana, mm -hmm. yeah. but usually then that just fuels you into the next big one, into the, the next, next big, big thing, one, yeah. into the next big one. And it just kind of becomes almost like this pot of chili where it's like, well, you're going to start with the tomato base and now we're going to add in the meat. Now we're going to add in the beans. And it's just like, when do you stop adding stuff? And it's like, <laughs> I don't know. I guess when I run out of cards slash ingredients. Right. And so Brass's Bounty's actually been one that I've seen it resolve and it traditionally, Tuck, makes around 20 to 30 treasures. Because you have 20 lands out? Oh, oh. Sorry, I was thinking of the uh, Mana Geyser, which is actually my next oh, one. Okay. <laughs> uh, so it's a good tie-in. But no, I haven't seen this go for less than 10. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot more sense than, than, than 20. I'm surprised you've seen this and it does things. I've had this in a lot of decks and it's never done jack for me. So right deck, right place. Makes sense to me. Yeah, and so we'll just go perfect transition over to the card that I was talking about and thinking of, Mana Geyser. Now, this is this, this is the thing, real deal. <laughs> yeah, this thing has not produced less than 20 in every game that I've seen it played. Yeah. So three colorless red-red sorcery at a red uh, for each tapped land your opponent's control, and I do have text. And we're spinning, we're spinning, we're spinning, we're uh, spinning. Oh, yeah! <laughs> Again! You know it, baby! You know which one? Is that that damn elephant? Kasim, the elephant! <laughs> The Quicksilver Sea hissed and bubbled at the indignity the full shock shaman just smiled. I peed myself. <laughs> uh, so I, 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 the, 
I've even seen it go for more than that, Tuck. We were doing that five pod, and oh, uh, someone played Mana Geyser in that, and I think they ended up getting like 32 or 38 mana for, for sure. their mana pool. And it was just like, uh, play this, draw a bunch of cards. And the only thing, it was just like, let me tap a blue and put eight yeah. into it, and I'll do this. Exactly. And, oh, blue, put 13 into this. So, Mana Geyser and Brass's Bounty are two cards that traditionally I don't think are very good in decks. But this is the kind of deck that you're just using this to fuel to eventually put into your bigger draw spell cards. Maybe you're not as mana efficient, common, uncommon mm -hmm. slots, uh, but... I God, I this is I've seen this card only work right. Like I, this card is insanely valuable. Again, it only gives you the red. But for me, this is actually like a pretty uh, greasy pick for spell slingers because you're going to get your value out of it, and it's going to either win you the game or get you damn near close to it. Right? It's going to get you the, yeah. the boost that you need. And even if you cast it on curve, it's still going to replace its mana and probably give you an extra ten, which is wild for a five drop. Yeah. All right, Tuck, what's your last one? So this one is not as exciting. Um, and or it's 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 kind of exciting, but it's more of like, how do I say? It's I'm more excited that it's gotten a reprint out of it. So um I am talking about the goggles that used to be mm. about eight dollars and now is a buck and and eighty-four cents. So Pyromancer's goggles. Five colorless for a legendary artifact. It's a mythic. mythic. And it has tap, add red. When that mana is spent to cast a red instant or sorcery spell, copy that spell and may choose new targets for the copy. All right. And as uh, Mr. Combo said off mic, uh, this is going to be another one, another great uh, listener pick. Evidently, Chandra's had a few too many cigarettes and enjoyed her time out with the Autobots. And she sounded a little bit like this. <clears throat> Autobots. I hope to meet Jaya Ballard someday. I think we'll get along. Autobots, roll out. <laughs> I need to actually go start rereading these. But yes, uh, Pyromancer's Goggles is insanely good. Uh, again, this is... I think if you compare this to Mana Geyser, it kind of accomplishes the same thing in the five spot, just in a different way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because getting the, getting the value out of any of your red spells... And it really only costs four. If you look at it that way, it's a free mana rock. Gets you that huge copy, which matters in this deck, especially with the copy trigger going on the stack with your commander as yep. well. It's just it's just completely bonkers in any sort of red spell slinger deck. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I don't know. Okay, Tuck. Weird thing to say. What is the minimum number of instant and sorceries? Sorry, red instant and sorceries you have to have in a deck to justify Pyromancer's Goggles. Because it is just a mana rock on its face. It's yeah. just you get the added benefit of everything if it's a red red spell. Is it 10? I That's kind of what I was leaning at, like 10 to 15. So, like, so for example, in your Neheb deck, it's sort of a quote-unquote spell slinger in the sense that you play a lot of spells that deal damage. Yeah. So for me, if you had eight in there, that would be enough to, to warrant oh, this it, because it's... It, it, it's a hundred percent in there. Yeah, I'm thinking. Think of like our goad, uh, or think of like your four color planeswalker deck and my goad deck. Like, there's probably five to eight in there that have red in their color identity. Is that worth it? Because it still is just a mana yeah. rock. It's just a little overcosted. Mm, that's a good point. I'm. I think if you if you play a spell slinger deck, automatic include automatic staple and red, right? 
Sure. And then I think if you have, if you feel that the cards that you would be casting in red that are instants and sorceries are impactful enough, then put it in as well. But if they're just like, you know, draw two cards, discard a card or something like that, you sure. don't really need to copy it. But I think the argument, this is something where the argument could be made that if you do have eight spells that are amazing and you already have your mana curve low enough to where you can play this over a Gilded Lotus, for example, this would make more sense in there. Fair enough. All right, well, we're going on to my last one. It actually is the sub-commander of the, <laughs> the deck, and I'll explain why I actually left it as a sub-commander. So we're talking about Viran, Voice of Duality. This is a colorless is it blue red it's a mythic legendary creature a freet wizard new creature type i believe yeah uh, uh two two and it has magecraft it states whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell uh viran voice of duality gets plus one plus one until end of turn so it's it can kind of be one of those storm mm -hmm. uh voltron commanders yes which that's why i didn't make it the face but I think it works really good in the 99 because of its second effect. Yeah. If you if casting a co or copying an instant or sorcery causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, basically, a.k.a. my commander, right. that ability triggers an additional time. And I will tell you, every time I've seen Viran got out, which is maybe 20% of the games I've seen played, it, the, the person piling the deck honestly gets lost in the stack oh God, because there's yeah. so many things that copy or have cast triggers so all of them are happening twice the is happening twice like how do i stack it i think all the copies go before Ugh. the original casts and it becomes and people just end up missing triggers right. left and right that's why i love the deck uh <laughs> but yes it is probably one of the best grain cards because i do have so many things in here that deal with cost or cap or copy um, like you could even think like, let's see, kind of digging through the list. Like, here's a good example for you, like dual caster mage, right? Or I guess that's not, no, that's not what you're looking for. No. Um, it would be doo -doo -doo -doo. like, uh, here we go. Uh, so Joran, uh, in ruin diver, whenever you yes. cast your second spell, each turn, draw a card. This would allow me now to draw two cards. Right. And so it kind of gets you that incidental value, but as you're going to see later, or even other parts of the uh, the Stormkin Artist, whenever mm -hmm. you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, make a treasure token. Now I'm getting two treasure tokens. It it, it just get, it basically does grain, hops, yeast, and spice. And it's just whatever's there, I'm helping with it. But it is a nightmare to keep up with trigger-wise. And that's like that's the only downside of all of these like blue-red spell slinger decks is like that always happens where you get to a point where it's like, okay, hold on, like I need to take a deep breath and like stand up and sit back down because I'm completely lost in how I'm actually gonna end this turn. <laughs> yep. <laughs> completely right. All right. Well, that's gonna wrap up the grain section. Now we're gonna head over to hops, big tuck. Where are you starting? We are starting actually right at the top of the list. Uh, I do mine alphabetically, so this was a pretty easy one. Uh, mostly, again, it's a super valuable card. It, this reprint dropped in price finally, and um, there is it's just really, really efficient, especially for your commander. So Aether Spouts is three colorless, double blue for an instant. For each attacking creature, its owner puts it on the top or bottom of their library, and we do have another voice. This one is our favorite sociopath cannibal, who's also kind of hot, uh, Hannibal Lecter, or Vicon, 11th Company Battle Mage. Don't worry, Curtis. There's plenty for everyone. 
Almost right on, bro. I like that. <laughs> I, I like need. I, I get. I, I just need. I think the problem with these accents is I just need to listen to them, and then I can finally do them because I've seen uh, Silence of Lambs over and over again. So again, I think this is like a very efficient spell, right? Like again, it's attacking creature. I like the fact it tucks them to library as opposed to puts them to hand. I think that's what the mana costs. But again, this is a deck that you want to. In my opinion, correct me if I'm wrong, but if I'm seeing this, it's like there's a lot of big drop sorceries, right? So if you don't have those on your turn, you're kind of playing the waiting game, right? And the fact correct. that this not only can save you from dying um, or politically, which I know you won't do, save someone else from dying, uh, it yeah. also generates value off of your commander because it's that sweet spot of like five that could also potentially be reducted or if you have your, mana, your, your artifact mana lying around, just a really, really solid blue quote unquote mass removal spell. Now, here's the thing, though, Tuck. I would use it, potentially, if there was someone else was getting attacked. But I would do it after combat damage, before cleanup, and then I would do it oh. to bounce all their creatures. <laughs> you do it. Okay. <laughs> uh, but no, this 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 is a great card, and, and I think you, you hit it right on the head. You know, there's only 13 instants in the entire deck, which sounds kind of odd, but it's just a lot of the big stuff is in sorceries. There's 21 sorceries in, yeah. in here. So if I don't have it, it's... You know, I'm basically stuck, you know, instant-wise, increasing vengeance. Well, that's going to be kind of dependent on someone else. Dig through time. Let's be honest. Usually you're delving. You're not mm -hmm. actually paying for it. And then it's, you know, seething song, pyretic ritual. It's all things that are just really mana at additions. Yes, right. And so if I am leaving up mana, it's usually like, well, I don't really have anything impactful to do. So I might as well just wait. Yep. And if, if someone's, you know, if the... The redacted commander is over there with his thousand oh. <laughs> elves. Maybe we go ahead and Aether spouts that or at least leave up the threat. It's the same kind of concept behind Cyclonic Rift. Yes, exactly. I'm going to leave up seven. You know what I got. You know what's probably going to happen. It's on you to force me to do it. Right. Totally agree. All right. My first one is a card that's also an instant because a lot of times I do have mana just laying around. And sometimes I like to buy back the spell just <laughs> yeah, so I yeah, can reuse do. it again. <laughs> Let's go three, two, one. Capsize! All-star, all-star, all-star. One colorless double blue for an instant. It costs about a buck fifty. Uh, buy back for three, so you can pay an additional three colorless when you play it, and if you do, you get to put it into your hand when it resolves instead of the graveyard. And it's very simple, ladies and germs. Return target permanent to its owner's hand. Just like that. Uh, Yep, and you know when I go ahead and do, you know potentially my mana geyser for a billion, and I thought I could draw into a winner and I can't, and I still have seventeen mana left over. Well, I guess I'll just capsize until I run out of blue mana yeah, and exactly. just how many things can I bounce? Uh, it's an amazing card, and I love buyback as a mechanic. Because, once again, my whole thing with card draw spells is you use it once and maybe you net a single card mm -hmm. and had to pay three mana or whatever it was. But if they a lot of card draws had buybacks, it's like, oh, I could reuse you over and over at maybe a little bit of a premium. I'm more on board. I, this is a card that is like a staple in any blue Spellslinger deck because in this deck it's perfect, even though you're not playing a lot of the reduction cost cards, right? It still gets the Zaffy trigger. So worst case scenario, if you have yep. six open, you're going to bounce the worst thing on the battlefield. You know, it could be a Gaia's Cradle. It could be a Troublesome mm -hmm. Planeswalker that's about to ultimate. It could be a Blightsteel Colossus, right? Bounce that, and then you also get something out of it too, right? 
And even in mana reduction things, it's the same thing. It's like, okay, how much blue do I have left over? If it's if I still have the six mana or four colorless, then I can just bounce it over and over again. Uh, yeah, it, it's really, really strong. And I'm kind of surprised for some reason this is still like a uh, buck. Affordable. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, hold it's on. a question, though. Oh, sorry, uh, keep going. With Cyclonic Rift on the stack, when you overload it, I'm pretty sure that's at seven. So with buyback, this should be six, correct? Correct. Yes. So it. I, I looked this so up. It's going to get both. It's going to get two Zaffy triggers. I'm going to get yes. the four four and the Scry. Awesome. Exactly. So that's. So I looked this up too because sometimes when they're worded, it doesn't count if it's an X spell or not. But Zaffy yep. is as the spell resolves. So this would be six. So you'd Scry and make your four four out of that as well. I can live with that. <laughs> that's pretty good. All right, Tuck. Well, what's your last one? So I know that you said you're not trying to play a quote unquote storm deck. But I can see with the mana lying around that you might have some sort of warm after performance. Yes. That may be a three, two, one. Fiery, Fiery Encore. Encore. Yeah. Yes. Four colorless red, sorcery rare, 19 cents. So Fiery Encore uh, is a weird one. So it says discard a card, then draw a card. When you discard a non-land card this way, Fiery Encore deals damage equal to that card's mana value to target creature or planeswalker. Seems pretty good as a little board yeah. clearer. Uh, and I like this idea. I like this too because for me, if you're kind well, of like... I, th I believe it also has another thing that needs to be read. Oh, of course. I thought that. I thought I already said that. Uh, and, and it also has Storm. When you cast a spell, copy it for each spell cast before this turn. So, so before you talk about why you like it, yes. let me tell you why you don't I'm like conflicted it. with it. Conflicted. <laughs> because when I've played the deck, I feel like I'm creating lots of copies of stuff. It, but maybe that's just the last time I played the deck, I saw more copies than cast. And so mm. maybe there are times where I cast eight, nine, ten spells in a turn. But this seems like a great targeted removal, especially for the Planeswalker piece. Yes, I. That's what I was gonna get at too. Like this is this to me is kind of like another varietal of like a reset button, right? So if yeah. you have a turn where you're only doing like you're like, well, I have a gazillion mana, but I don't have enough to cast something that's really big. There's a lot of troublesome permanents. So instead, I'm gonna cast my lower curve stuff, ops, ponders, that sort of thing, and do something else. Then do this to del to delete. Three troublesome commanders, a planeswalker that's about to ultimate, that sort of thing, right? So I mm. hear you in the sense that it's not like a slam dunk, amazing removal card, but I think it's got the variance in it to where now you're, and like you said, you hate running those little one drop cantrips, right? And now yeah. when you when you draw those late game, this turns them into this turns those into kindling into helping you stay alive for another turn or two. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know if you're going to be talking about it in your uh, bottle capping, but a card that I have considered putting in the deck, and I did buy a copy um, just because I was getting all my Japanese Mystical Archive ones that I wanted to get, is Grape Shot. Like, I, I need oh, to play sure, the yeah. deck enough to see if, like, can a Grape Shot or a Fiery Encore really storm off for 10, 15, 20, even more? Because that's where I really think Storm is. I don't think a lot of people play Storm and Commander to Storm for five. Yeah, right. <laughs> that, just, exactly. that doesn't seem very powerful. <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree. This helps you get through the deck, helps you take out maybe all the troublesome commanders and planeswalkers uh, that you need to, and maybe get quicker to that win. So I, I still feel comfortable leaving it in because it is only five. If it right. was maybe seven or eight, 
then it might be on the cutting block. I agree, so. yeah. And each time you cast it, if you do storm, you get your 4-4, right? Which is then going to have, they're going to ha now have the way to clear now that all the other stuff is dead. I think he just made a case for Alter of the Brood. Oh my god. What have I done? <laughs> Alright. Well, my last one, guys, uh, because Tuck can no longer share with me, so I can freely talk. Uh, this is something that Izzet does have trouble with, in my opinion, is dealing with graveyards. And so mm. Scavenger Grounds is something I did want to highlight. You probably want to have it in this kind of deck, just in case. Yeah, so agreed. this is just a land. It's rare. It's like 60 cents can add a colorless or two colorless tap, sack a desert, which you could just sack itself, exile all cards from all graveyards, and I do have text. Uh, and you are doing something spicy, hopefully. And if the collective is concerned, I do think Tuck is rigging this because it seems like I always get that damn baby elephant that he hates. <laughs> no, you get the one that I want. Hey, I'm from I'm from Saskatoon. Koth, uh, the high voice Jack Canadian oh. from Grown Ups. With the last scrap. Oh, God, oh, no. I was going like all Prince on everyone. Hey, ladies, what's going on? I guess it kind of is like Prince. <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit. Yeah, from Saskatoon. Uh, with, with the with the last scrap, a eh, flesh is scored away. The curse of wandering ends, eh? The dead may sleep, eh? I, I oh. used to be able to do it well, and then I got in my head. Now I can't do it. We had, uh, we had an interruption not... because I had to quote-unquote work, so it kind of threw us off. Now we're getting back in. <laughs> uh, but I, there's not a lot to talk about with this card. Uh, I You could make an argument this is a commander staple. There's zero reason not to run it in any deck. Unless, I guess, you're a graveyard-centric yeah. deck and you don't really care what other people are doing. But the fact that it does tap for colorless, we put Reliquary Tower in decks, even though you may never be over seven cards in hand. So, But there's always going to be a graveyard you need to deal with. It doesn't state sorcery speed. It's just yep. like, hey, I'm willing to put two, get rid of my land to stop your combo or whatever. I Yeah, I completely agree with it. Um, I think this is a card that sh you need to run graveyard hate in, in, in all decks that you have. It does kind of eat it that you are sacrificing your own graveyard, but if you're if you're doing this, if you're paying the mana into this and sacrificing it, it's because someone else is about to value big time. Yep. So yeah. All right, conclusion. guys. Well, that's gonna wrap up hops. Now we're gonna head over to yeast, and I will start this with one of the few tin drops I have in the deck, so I can get all three of Zaffy's triggers. Uh, <laughs> And oh. it has a major, major plus if you do cast it from hand. But it's still pretty decent even if you don't. So we're talking about Apex of Power. Uh, this bonkers. is the most casual catnip card I can think of. Uh, seven colorless, red, red, red. It's a sorcery, mythic for 40 cents. Exile the top seven of your library until end of turn you may cast spells from among them. If this spell was cast from your hand, add 10 mana of any one color. And, of course, and we all know that Nicol Bolas sounds like a pompous British man. As I desire, so I shall be. Not bad. It's okay. All right. It's all right. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, this slam dunk in all Jota decks. Don't know why yeah, you wouldn't oh, for do sure. it. Um, but in this deck, it gets me all three of my triggers, which is great. I'm going through seven cards. I do have a lot of the cards, as we've talked about, you know, your mana geysers of the worlds to where, oh, 
Those were part of it. I got 10 mana. Let's do a mana geyser. Let's add 20 more to the pool. Hey, let's, uh, you know, oh, let's go ahead and cast a sky diamond. Oh, seething song. Let's get some more mana. Mm -hmm. I, I just have ways to just go mana into mana into mana that I'm not really building up for X spells. It's just really big spells to kind of keep the train going. That is the one thing I will say about this deck. A lot of people are like, okay, do you win? And it's like, no, I don't. I'm just yeah, gonna sit right. here and like dirtle <laughs> around and cast stuff for a while, and then it's I'll just pass. A it's just a it's Snowpiercer, right? It's just a train to nowhere. It's just going around yep. and around and around. Uh, speaking of casual catnip, uh, I didn't think this card was that good until I played uh, Ultra Budget Brews, not Budget Brew at all, Mizzix deck, and it was like the best card I cast the entire game. It yep. re I think it re reads kind of weird, um, but it's so insanely powerful, right? I think there there this to me. There's another card which we might be talking about in the capping that is really good at that. It's kind of like the mini version of this effect. But the fact that you do do the 10 damage, get all the effects in this deck as well, it's just completely bonkers. And it even came in it. So what's not to like? Yep. Um, and the curious thing is, so if you cast it from hand, you got the copy triggers, or you got the triggers from the spell. What if you copy it? Are you going to get an exact copy so you'll get the 10 mana again? Or since it was that spell Boom. was copied, you're only going to exile the top seven. Rules questions. I have to look that up now. Uh, I will look that up, but yes. I, 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 I'm 90% sure you only get the top half, because remember, that's how I was trying to break Approach of the Second right. Sun uh, okay, so with it's a, my yeah. flashback deck. Yeah, yeah, right. So if an effect copies Apex of Power, the copy won't wasn't cast at all, so you won't add 10 mana. So, but go. it's still good because the copy yes. is still 10 and so you get all your Zaffy triggers. And I mean, just Zaffy triggers alone, the 10 damage to an opponent chosen at random, if you copy that spell twice, that's 30 damage being flown around. Mm -hmm. That's nothing to snuff at. No, it's bon it's absolutely bonkers. Great target for uh, Chandra's or Pyromancer's goggles. All right. Well, Tuck, what's your first one? This is a weird one, and I'm guessing you just put it in here because you had it lying around because it's from your favorite set of all time. But I think that because of the way... I think this also goes into the same thing I was saying about the last card. Because you run these cantrips that you don't like, you want to get the value out of them. And that's why I think Aria of Flame is in here, I'd wager to guess. So two colorless and a red for an enchantment from Modern Horizons, about a buck fifty. When it enters the battlefield, each opponent gains 10 life. Not great. Button Commander, not horribly broken or worrisome at all. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, put a verse counter on Aria of Flame, then it deals damage equal to the number of verse counters on it to target a player or planeswalker. So for me, this is a way that you get that chip damage in, but the thing I also like about this is that it's only your opponents who gain 10 life, right? It's not you. Yep. So that, to me, immediately incentivizes people to kind of go after them because people always foolishly are like, well, he's at 45 life, so he must be in yep. the win, right? And now they can start <laughs> going into them, but you're as you're over there casting your casting your cantrips, casting your higher mana spells at lower at lower costs, storming off as much as you can, doing that sort of thing, you're going to get the extra value of it that, again, can start lowering those life totals, can pick someone off if it's just down to you two, and also getting rid of Planeswalkers, which, again, is kind of tough to do in these colors. Actually, the reason I put it in the deck is because Duff runs this in his feather deck, oh. <laughs> and it sat there the entire time. No one did anything about it, and it got up to like 8, 10, 12 counters and was just headshotting people. Mm -hmm. and, and so I think it kind of plays into something we talk a lot about on this channel, to where enchantment removal is a premium still yep. in the game of Magic. 
And so people don't want to waste it when it's at one, two, three, four verse counters. And so you can kind of be strategic, not necessarily politics, but you could be strategic and be like, well, that player is in white, so they probably have disenchant. So I'll hit them for one, and I'll be like, hey, I'm just going to kind of go around the table. And so you're going to get hit for one, they're going to get hit for two, they're going to get hit for three. And it's like, oh, well, I guess I shouldn't waste it until maybe it comes back to me. But then the game has changed in those, you know, three, four spells. And well, I don't know. Now Mr. Combo has, I don't know, some other disgusting enchantment out there. It's not in the deck, but like an omniscience. Do I really want to waste it on Aria Flame, even though it could hit me for 10? Or or do I get rid of omniscience? So that's why I actually put it in the deck is because the couple times I have seen it, even the people with enchantment removal kind of let it lie because everyone's worried about something else. And this is target player planeswalker, not each player planeswalker. Exactly. I think if it said each, it would always be public enemy number one. Oh, but since it's sure. target, you can kind of play the strategy game. Oh, I'll, I'll hit you for the nine. Don't worry. Right. They're going to get it for 14 next. Yes. And like, oh, well, I got rid of their planeswalker. So now like, I'm just going to give you like a little taste of it, right? Yeah. As their Liliana is about to go off or, or do something wild. Exactly. All right. I'm going to talk about my favorite card in the deck. Because this card has yet to disappoint. Sometimes I have to demonstrate for my opponents how you should actually play the deck. And creative technique really allows me to go way, way over the top. So four colorless red, sorcery. It's a rare for about 30 cents. So it demonstrates another new mechanic of this set. But I'm going to start with its general effect. Sure. Shuffle your library, then reveal cards from the top until you reveal a non-land card. Exile that card, put the rest on the bottom in a random order. You may cast the exiled card without paying its mana cost. Pretty great. It's it's kind of like random chaos war, sure, except yeah. it's take, non-land. Take a spin in the wheel. Yeah, but demonstrates where it makes this card great, ladies and germs. When you cast this spell, you may copy it. If you do, choose an opponent to also copy it. So, hey, five mana... I'm going to do this, but I'm going to demonstrate. Right. Tuck, I want you to do it as well. And then when you do it, I get to do it as well. And the fact that I get to do this twice at random, I also get double Zafi triggers because I'm going right. to get two of the yes, four exactly. fours. Now the scry effect is worthless. Because I was going to say because it shuffles. I'm going to shuffle. <laughs> yeah. uh, and and that, that took me and other players a while to realize with this spell and all the things like, oh, I should just ignore the, the scry one effect. Yes, exactly. Matter. Yeah, it's 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 not it's you're not playing the spell for that reason. <laughs> but this is a card at that price point. I mean, red chaos decks. Why not? Yeah, for sure. Uh, it, you could even make an argument Rakdos decks. I'll put it in there. Let's do a little devil may yeah, may do. Yeah, it could be anything, right? And I think this one especially is that you don't. I think there's kind of two ways to build this deck. And we've talked about this with I think my Mark Chase deck the one that you gave me, uh, you can either build it where it's like, I'm playing X spells and then those don't spell, those X spells don't play nicely with others potentially. Right. Um, or I'm going to play intentionally hard casted big spells that once they hit on the random, uh, are going to do big stuff. Right. And if you look at the higher end of your curve and like the six, sevens and eights and tens of the world, then yep. you're going to, you're going to see that value. And those are the ones that you want to flip over that are going to hu- do huge for you. Right. So, I don't know. I think I agree with you. Like in the is it or not in the Rakdos deck, like flipping over a giant demon or an Aldrazi or something is great. 
Um, and in this deck, especially, you get the triggers and you're going to hit something big, whatever it is. Yep, totally agree. All right. Well, what is your next game winner? So this is a card that needs to be targeted by removal as soon as it comes out because it, it means bad news because it's about to invoke some anger. And we're talking about Sunbird's Evocation. So it costs a little bit here, five colorless and a red for an enchantment, but the ability on it is insane. Whenever you cast a spell from your hand, reveal the top X cards from your library where X is that spell's mana value. You may cast a spell with mana value X or less from among cards revealed this way without paying its mana cost. Put uh, the rest on the bottom of the library in, in a random order. So again, this pays you for playing high-costed spells. But even then, in my opinion, if it's like, okay, well, I'm going to cast a four drop. And then worst case scenario is you get another spell off of that. Even if it is a ponder or whatever, you're still also fueling into your commander. And you're also being able to thin out the top of your library. Now, there is a bat there is a problem with this where if you do hit one of your other giant spells with a three drop, then you're like, okay, I guess I have to figure out how to go get that. But yeah. in my opinion, the fact you get pretty much two free spells on turn five to six, once you have six mana left over, you're going to start bringing in your bombs. And to tie it back to the green section, uh, Veyron will make this trigger twice. Yes, exactly. And that's that's even more disgusting. It's, um, it's so bonkers. Sunbirds is a card that I will say um, I usually don't run in decks because a lot of times, to Tuck's point, you play it, it gets removed. Yeah, uh, it doesn't that's a pretty, stick it's around a pretty, too often. It's a pretty juicy target. Or it just, it, it can backfire and punish you for, even if it's just you need to play the game, like, okay, well, I need to ramp, so I need to play Kadama's Reach, top three. Oh, Kozilek, Ulamog, and yeah, a land? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. F me sideways. Put those all on the bottom. Counter spells? Uh, yeah. yeah, it just, like, it board wipes. This doesn't help me. But I figured I wanted to try it in here. It came in the pre-con. I haven't got to see it yet. And so I want to see what happens because I think this could be that perfect marriage of this and the big mana spells to where sometimes I just fizzle. Well, I should never fizzle with this and those. I should always be able to draw into something, get more mana, do something with my life. Yes, I agree. Um, and at worst case scenario, you can you might hit like a bunch of lands you don't need, or that's like best case scenario. So again, play with it. I think this card's got a lot of wheels to it. Well, I'm going to tell you about a card that has quite a few uh, tentacles. Oh, the new one. And mm -hmm. it would be great if you could target removal it, but it'll cost you eight more. So we're talking about Octavia the Living Thesis. This card is casual catnip for commander <laughs> players all over the world. Yes. Uh, this costs eight colorless blue, blue, legendary creature, elemental octopus, rare, 8-8 eight, eight for $1.60. This spell costs eight less to cast if you have eight or more incident and or sorcery cards in your graveyard. Quick story for the table. I did this with this card. I was playing with Sir Nathan and the Goad. The Goad was... Let's just say a little frustrated with what was happening. Sure. He cast a spell, had open mana. I knew he had a counter spell. 
I needed an eighth instant sorcery in the graveyard so I could cast this for two. So I countered his counter, knowing he very well could just counter it and continue to resolve the the thing that he wanted to yeah. do. He chose not to. And I was like, dude, all I wanted was to get my triggers so I could do a thing. And he's like, whatever, just just f everyone. I hate hate you all. <laughs> uh, and so I did get to play it. Uh, I didn't really get to do its effects though. So it does have Ward Eight, and guys, remember Ward's that new thing where basically it is hexproof but they could pay a certain amount of colorless to make the spell go through. Right. So you got to pay eight colorless in addition to the other mana that it costs to do whatever your effect is to target Octavia. And she has the Magecraft, so cast copy is at sorcery, but it allows a target creature to have base power and toughness 8-8 eight, eight till end of turn. So the reason I have this in the yeast section is because it actually has Magecraft. Mm -hmm. I'm making lots of four fours. I do have ways to make one one birds or two two drakes sure. in here. Yeah, yeah. The the normal is it paths. And so the fact that it's a cast or copy, I'm not worried about, well, am I only casting three spells in the turn and only getting three? Well, most likely I'm getting six triggers of this. Let's turn my six birds into base power and toughness eight eights because they don't even lose their other effects. Exactly. Which is the other cool thing about it. So this is a back-breaking card in my opinion because it's damn near impossible to get removed yep. unless uh, board wipe let's just put it that way look at ward eight is indestructible uh, <laughs> yeah, not indestructible yeah. but something hexproof. like that like it's an, pretty much just hexproof hex shroud yes. you can't target it just get over it um oh man i wonder how long it's going to take them to make a um uh, what was that arcane lighthouse but for ward Ooh. That would be uh, well, neat. So uh, if they keep Octavia coming out with a great card. Yes, I agree. And actually, the funny part is it plays really nicely. I want to tie that into my last one, which is one of the cards that I said I was hot off of the uh, previews of this called Surge to Victory, right? So mm. or colorless red, red. It's a sorcery. Exile target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard. Creatures you control get plus X plus zero until end of turn where X is that creature is that card's mana value. Whenever a creature control deals combat damage to a player this turn, copy the exiled card. You may cast the copy without paying its mana cost, right? So, again, this is something that kind of plays very nicely with, with the Magecraft theme of Octavia, right? Being able to turn your elementals into bigger beaters, not only are they going to be, I mean, arguably harder to block, they're going to hit for more, right? And it's going to make people mm -hmm. rethink about how they're going to block them. Because if you play Surge, I guess you kind of have to telegraph it. But for me, if you have something in your in your graveyard that's as good as, independent of what your hand is, right? If you're playing the instant game, then you could get your seething song, make a gazillion mana, and then blast someone in the face with with a card that you don't have. You don't have any of the X spells in here, which is kind of wild too. But you know, you do you. I know this isn't. I think there are builds of this deck where this card is probably better in it when you have more of the token creators. But for me. The fact that you have your own token creator in the command zone means that this is going to make those things even more deadly than the four fours or eight eights or whatever they are from the jump. So wait, I'm confused. Why do you think this card ties in with Octavia? Because you can cast your spells, get the Magecraft, make your things bigger, right? So let's say you have your four things, right? But you're it's you're not getting an extra combat phase, so it no. But I'm matter. saying like on the on your pro, on your first main phase, right? Yeah. So you cast like three spells, let's say for example. Right? Sure. I, so I get you, three eight eights. Right. And then your second, then if you have the man left over, you play this, those eight eights get even bigger. And if you've done things like your fiery encores or whatever, and now instead of going in for four damage a piece, you're going in for 12, that's the way you can close the game out with the tokens that you create off of Zaffy. 
Uh, all right. I mean, you're 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 really getting uh, real <laughs> sweaty here in the, in the magical uh, Christmas uh, land. Yeah, uh, not not really see it now. I I could see how you would say surge to victory would be huge uh, with Octavia if you were able to have a second combat phase because then oh I see what they you do yeah, all yeah. of that. Then you get more Octavia triggers to make more of your tokens bigger and then do it again. Um, that would be a really cool synergy. But now we're also talking about a 16 mana combo plus <laughs> right. all the other spells that you're casting. That you have to cast uh, that no, turn, yes. I agree. Surge to Victory is amazing. Um, 57 cents. This card will be more expensive. Yes. Like, it will go up in price. I agree. Because uh, this could just win you the game by exiling Expropriate exactly done off right or like any other like this is this is also like a sweaty pick for like a perforos or other like red token deck if you have those higher end things as well right just being able to swing in for those tokens so i don't think that this is something that's specifically tied to spell slinger decks either which is why i agree with you it's going to get expensive duck I think we finally found a card that can make Lightning Bolt win the game. <laughs> attack, attack with like 50 creatures, get 50 Lightning Bolts. Lightning bolts? <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Put it in. All right. Put it in. <laughs> well, that's going to wrap up the yeast package. Now we're going to head over to Spice and Tuck. I had a little bit of spice in here. Which one stuck out the most to you? Uh, I am going to talk about one of my favorite three drops, which this card, 90% of the times that you're going to cast it, is literally going to say, draw a card and play a land out of hand. <laughs> but you got to flip a coin to get there. So Stitch in Time. What a great card. Colorless and is it? That's a blue and a red. Flip a coin. If you win the flip, take an extra turn after this one. And as read by our old pal, Eile, comma, cleric. Eight dollars. <throat> yeah, boy. <laughs> Believe it. Well, well, sir, Coyle was told by his mentor to make more time for studies, uh, which is my variation on a Southern Bell. It's like a worst uh, growth spiral. That every time I've cast this, I cast it either early game and I take it. I, it says pay three mana, fifty percent chance you draw a card and play a land out of hand, right? Or you play it late yeah, game. 50% and you're like fifty percent, you, you win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Fifty percent, sure. you just pass the turn. This is like, but that's what I'm saying. This is like the perfect spice because in the late game with your commander you're at least getting something else out of it right so even if you do I not guess. win the flip you still get your scry right it's not completely whiffing but this card has the this card has the floor on it is abysmal right the floor on it is sure. th th this might be the card that we've talked about that has the widest floor to ceiling ratio <laughs> yes <laughs> floor you literally time walked yourself yes, ceiling you win mana. the game yeah <laughs> three three mana uh, skip your yeah. turn I mean, I, I you know, as a preview, I will be cutting this card later. It's um, fine, but I, I could see if you were wanting this because I, I will say I'm I'm enjoying the stack and all the different triggers that I have to keep track of. I'm not so much enjoying the random chaos of do I even do anything? Am I even yeah. going to win? Can I even be a threat, or am I just appearing scary because I'm taking a half hour long turn? And this mm -hmm. card doesn't really help me get it to where because i actually have had turns tucked to where I, I play stuff for 10 minutes literally do nothing and everyone wets themselves and decides they have to kill me immediately <laughs> yes, exactly. and, it's like, and you're like All right, i literally well. did nothing so yeah. i kind of want to if i'm going to take a 10 minute turn i need to actually move it somewhere so that's why i'm going to cut it uh but sitchin time is a funny card and i i thought you would at least get a laugh of it i got uh, i got a laugh there. out of it for sure 
All right. Well, the card I'm going to talk about is a the monocolor backup commander in the deck because it's it's one of those storm cards that could do something. It's just will it do something? Mm-hmm. So we are going to talk about Riona Fire Dancer. Oh, okay. Okay. So All right. three not colorless what, red. Not red. I thought you were going to take this. Uh, legendary creature, human wizard. Uh, Harry. Three, four. No. Uh, at the beginning of combat on your turn, create X tokens that are copies of another target creature you control, where X is one plus the number of instant and sorcery spells you have cast this turn. They gain haste, exile them at the beginning of the next end step. So I might be able, and that's the other thing, because if you know, we start looking at the creatures in here, a lot of them are legendary. Mm-hmm. There are a couple that are not, but I don't have a way to get around the legendary rule in here. And I don't really have a way to capitalize, even if you look at it, it's like Consecrated Sphinx, sure, Caster yeah. Mage, Storm Kiln. I don't have anything that could really pop off with it. So it's pretty much going to be for those 4-4s. Four I'm going to make extra 4-4s yep. four to attack with. Or if one of them's turned into an 8-8, eight, eight, they'll be an 8-8. Eight, eight. So it's very spicy because it literally may do nothing. Or it could potentially win me the game. It kind <laughs> right. of is a little bit like Stitch in Time. Uh, but I will say, I think the card's cool. And it is good enough. I'm considering it putting it in, believe it or not, my all-permanent Brutoclad I was going to ask if you're going to put it in Brutoclad because it's because just a free just one. Because just by right? itself, yeah. it, just, it just makes just me gives a, you a free one. of whatever yeah. I want. Yeah, I was going to ask, and I was like, well, I guess the backup of it kind of sucks, but, you know, I agree. Like, that's why this deck in particular could be built so many different ways. I mean, you could build this where it's just all, like, this probably goes better for the backup commander, but you can be like, okay, I'm only building five or less, right? CMC yep. five or left, but I'm playing a bunch of creatures that make a, make a bunch of tokens, and then something like this really, really goes off. And I think that's something, you know, if you're trying to... I think that's something you should continue to look at it being like, okay, do I actually want to make tokens or do I just want to storm off and, or do, do I yeah. even care about storm? Like, do I even care about storm in the deck or do I just want to get to playing these giant big ass spells and not worry about like the little one droppers? Totally agree. Gotcha. All right. Now that's going to wrap up the spice package. And now we're going to head to the bottle capping. And as a reminder, there's going to be big tucks and ice cuts and adds to the deck. They're going to be under $5, under $50, and a no-budget recommendation. We just can't talk about mana-only lands. All right, so for my under $5, um, I... Sorry, buddy. Going to cut Stitch in time. It, it's, yeah, it yeah. just It's a little too dirtily and uncertain for my taste. A little a little too, so, a little too uh, sweaty. I can totally get it. Yeah. So the card I am going to add, and I did check, you can get copies under $5. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a card that I own a promo of from Comic-Con. I've never found a home for it, and it just did not fit my god deck, even though it is a god. So we're talking about God Eternal Kefnit. Oh, Kefnit, yeah. I think is an amazing card for this deck. Yeah, it's really, it's really so strong. Two colorless blue-blue mythic 4-5. Four dollars and sixty-four cents. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> not uh, not legendary. ten dollars like the promo version. Yep, or the Comic Con that doesn't even show a cost. <laughs> uh, and so it states, uh, "Flying, you may reveal the first card you draw each turn as you draw it." And that's important because it doesn't just mean your own turn. So if you right. draw during other people's turns, you could do this as well. Whenever you reveal an instant or sorcery card this way, copy that card, and you may cast the copy. 
the copy costs two less to cast. Ugh. And then whenever the God Eternals die uh, or is put into exile from the battlefield, you may put it into its owner's library third from the top. So because Zafi cares about copies as well, right. this seems like a very, very great way to have a four or five blocker beater in the air. You know, that's mm -hmm. never anything to shame at. But hey, I'll even just brainstorm twice and I still get my brainstorm to hand and I'll still do things. Um, and because it doesn't, I don't believe it puts you on a card restriction of when you can cast it because you have to cast the copy then. So if I get expropriate on your turn and I have seven mana, I can cast expropriate off of whatever helped me draw the card. You complete right. your turn, now it's back to me. And so now I can do my sorceries on other people's turns and start being a little, it's kind of chaotic, but at the same time, I actually think this is probably something that would help fuel me into a win. Yeah, I agree. And and like, again, you're going to be drawing piles of cards on other people's turns, right? Like that's what you want to do. And being able to get that fuel going in it. Yes, I agree. Especially if you have one of these lying around, pretty easy inclusion, pretty fun yep. card. All right, Tuck, what are you cutting? So I am cutting, I'm on, I'm cutting two spices, unfortunately, because I really was, I was really trying to find the through line of the deck and I couldn't quite figure out what cards to cut to make it go which way I wanted. So sure. I'm actually going to cut, uh, I'm going to cut Niv-Mizzet, the fire mine. So right, right idea, wrong Niv-Mizzet, because this is yep. the one you had lying around. So yep. Niv-Mizzet, the fire mine, two colorless, two blue, two red for legendary creature, dragon wizard, Harry. Uh, four, four, flying. Whenever you draw a card, Nimizit, the fireman, deals one damage to any target. Tap, draw a card. Fine. Nothing wrong with this card, right? Um, I think that... I, I like all the Nimizits personally, but if you're going to have one of them in the deck, I think the one that you want is Nimizit Parun, which is three blue, three red, legendary creature, dragon wizard, Harry. This spell can't be countered. It's a five, five flyer. Whenever you draw a card, it deals a damage to any target. But the trick here is whenever a player, a player casts yeah. an instant or sorcery spell, you draw a card. So for me, you're, you're, it's the same mana cost for the same body. Well, a bigger body, actually a little, tr a little clunkier to cast, but now all those things that you hate, where you're just drawing a card here, drawing a card there sure. are pinging it. And every other time someone else casts an instant of sorcery to counterspell, ping someone, that sort of thing, right? So for me, if you're going to have a Niv-Mizzet in here, the Perun's the one that you want. I agree. And, and you are absolutely right. I just had the other Niv-Mizzet laying around, I so I was like, okay. And I love it. Like, I love Niv-Mizzet the Firemind. I think it's a great yeah. card. I think it's fun. But I think if you're playing, it's much better in a deck that, like, wheels a gazillion times, right? And I think you'll, sure. get, I think you'll get your value out of the Perun more than you will out of the other one. Yeah, Any I other agree. Ones, to be and, honest. <laughs> and, and usually the, the big negative is the trip blue, trip red, but we already talked about the deck's perfectly balanced from a yep. mana perspective, so I should never be hitting those types of issues. Exactly. Totally agree. All right. Well, my under 50, I'm also cutting the fire behind. Uh, because oh, okay. He's I, I do... I, I do have card draw in the deck. I just, I don't have wheel effects and things like mm -hmm. that, like Tuck was talking about. But I wanted to add a new card to the deck. Ooh. Wait, because... wait, wait. Let me guess. Can I guess? Can I guess it? Sure. Is it an enchantment? Nope. And did we? Okay, I was gonna say, did we just talk about it yesterday? Nope, nope, we did not. Uh, I wanted a way to put what happens on my board in my opponent's hands to an extent. 
So wandering archaic oh, seems yeah, yeah, yeah. like utter chaos in this deck. <laughs> so you can pick up the cheapest copy around six dollars. It costs five colorless to cast. Oh my God, I'm so Creature glad that card avatar isn't like rare already. It's a four four, and it states whenever an opponent casts an instant or sorcery spell, they may pay two colorless. If they don't, I may copy that spell, and I may choose new targets for the copy. And it does have a flip side, which might as well be blank. <laughs> Yeah, explore the vast lands. It costs three colorless sorcery. Each player looks at the top five of their library, reveals a land and or instant sorcery card from among them, then puts the cards they reveal this way into their hand and the rest on the bottom of their library in a random order. Each player gains three life. Now, I would say if I'm if I'm casting it for explore the vast lands, I am desperate and I am yes. thirsty yes, because exactly. I'm about to lose. You're, you're, you're in a horrible state. But I will say, I like that I have the modal option of, oh, I don't have to do it, but... At least this card isn't dead in my hand if I need to get yes. something like that. But there's zero reason why Wandering, Archaic, and Zafi on the battlefield shouldn't do gross things together. I agree completely. And I think Wandering Archaic, can't, most people read it because it's copy. It's like, this isn't really a Spellslinger's card, right? And it's more in like yep. a deck. It's more of like a, the great equalizer for white or whatever, mm -hmm. right? Like, this is like how you beat Spellslinger if you're not playing blue. But I think the yep. fact that you have so much stuff with that Magecraft, I mean, it's the same argument with why while Stormkiln Artist is so good, right? Like, that copy is so strong and does so much. Yep. Yeah, it's it's. I, I saw this and I was like, that's cute, but I think it is. I think this, this is not the ubiquitous card that people thought it was going to be, and I think it would really shine in a deck like this. Yep, I agree. And and I think it is. This actually probably will be a card that I pick up sooner rather than later because yeah. I could see Commander driving this up since it's colorless. You can put it in literally any deck you that's want. That's why I'm so... Because it was pre-ordering for like 10 and it's still holding pretty good at like 6. So that was very surprising. Yep. All right, Tuck. What's your under 50? So I am cutting Interpret the Signs. Uh, I know you are <gasps> super hot on this card. Oh, I know what? you love it. But hear me out. It's five colorless and a blue. Scry three, reveal the top card library. Draw cards equal to that card's converted mana cost, right? So there's a good chance that you're going to be able to hit this. The reason, I think this card is amazing in your Jota deck, right? Because playing five sure. for this, your, your curve on that deck is so much more berserk. I just think that you, I think that we can do cards that, you can, that can still do something for you, even if you don't have the six mana, right? Like I said, you're not running like, a Mizzix, you're not running, you're not even running Goblin Electromancer, which is a shame, sir, and you should be embarrassed, because that's the ultimate Wizard Harry. So, like, that's my thing on Interpret the Signs. I know you're keen on this card, I've just never liked it, unless it's in your Jota deck, in which I hate it. I mean, I do have 29 cards that are 5 CMC or higher. So I feel like me at least being able to draw 5 for 6... I feel like that's what you card draw people are all about. I like, but I see. I just don't like the fact that you there, you can't do anything until you have six mana with this card, right? It doesn't help you out in a pinch. It just sits around. That's why I don't like it. So if fair, you want fair. to draw, if you want to draw cards, I'd rather have something that has an ability that you can that you can actually draw cards out of. But the top end of it is insane. So that's why I think for about five dollars, Finale of Revelation is a more modal oh. card. So X blue blue. Sorcery, draw X cards. Is if X is ten or more, instead shuffle your graveyard into your library, draw X cards, untap up to five lands, and you have no maximum hand size for the rest of the game. Right. So for me, the reason why I like Finale of Revelation is because if you want to talk about the floor versus the ceiling, the ceiling on um, interpret the signs is very high. Right. You could draw ten cards. Ten. Yeah. Yeah. But what I don't like is like if you're in the early game and you're stuck with it in hand. 
and you know that you can't, you're not going to be able to play it, at least with Finale of Revelation, you want to be able to cast it for 12, right? But in a pinch, you can always just cast it for three or five, right? And get cards into your hand and cycle it away because you know you need something. You need Aether Sprouts. You need something else to get your game going. And that, for me personally, is why Finale is better than Interpret the Sign. Yeah, because I mean, I guess you could make the argument because you get the untap up to five. So really, instead of 12, it costs seven. So for seven mana, draw 10 and no maximum hand size for the rest of the game would and then shuffle your graveyard into the library. Would people play that? Probably, I guess. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. I, I don't know. This, this was one of the ones that I felt was the weakest of the finales. I even feel like the white one's a little bit better. Um, hmm. I don't know. I'll I'll have to think about it. I may have a copy laying around. I know so you're I hot. I know just... you're white hot on interpret the signs, right? I know that's like probably your favorite quote unquote draw spell that I've ever seen yes. you play. So well, just, I'm just because of the scry three, you yeah, essentially I, get four chances to I get draw you more than six. You cards. don't need to sell. You don't need to sell hey. me on it. I've seen it work. I'm just saying. I think finale of revelation will be a little bit more consistent. Fair. All right. Personal recommendation time. Now, I know I talked about it, but I am going to cut Ryona Fight Answer. It's a little... I think if I had a way in this deck to have less legendary creatures doing all this stuff and more normal, then I actually think I would probably keep her in there. It's just I'm worried that I'm not going to have anything other than a Storm Kiln artist to maybe make yeah, a bunch right. of copies of, which literally does nothing. It doesn't even have an ETB effect. So right, yes. I, I, don't, I don't think that's going to do as much for me, but I am going to put in a card that once again caused chaos when we were talking about my Savine deck and trying to figure out how exactly Flashback works with the graveyard and being able to get the extra copies. This thing, though, does not matter. Mizzik's Mastery. Oh, this card. Yeah, no, there's no question. I have no, I have nothing to dunk. say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Three colorless red, sorcery rare, uh, ranges. It looks like cheapest is about seven ish dollars. And that's mm. one of the mystical archive ones, which is kind of surprising. I know, right? Um, and so it basically states, guys, exile target card that's an instant or sorcery from your graveyard. For each card exiled this way, copy it. You may cast the copy without paying its mana cost, exile Mystic's Mastery. But it does have overload for five colorless red, red, red. So if I cast it for eight, every single instant and sorcery card in my graveyard is going to have a copy, cast the copy without paying its mana cost. Um, now granted, all of them will be exiled forever. But in my opinion, when I'm casting this for eight, I'm getting dig through time. I'm yes. getting... Uh, uh, you know, maybe someone made me mill like an stitching time, thing. the best card in the deck. Uh, well, don't know about that card, uh, but you know, you're you're getting extra copies of your pyretic rituals, your ops, your mana geysers. You should win. And for me right. to do that, honestly, I could probably cast this after maybe you've done tenish instant and sorceries. So about a third of the deck, I could probably do this by turn eight, like on yeah. curve, but have 10 legitimate targets in the graveyard. And then all of those copies are getting Zafi triggers. And then that's where the yep. headache begins. And that's what I'm here for. It's this card is a nightmare. And I think this goes back to the, this card um, is always very good, right? You're going to get your money out of it, especially if you have your, your rituals in the graveyard in this build of this deck, since you don't, I don't even think you have an X spell. 
that's where this thing kind of falls off the wagon where if you're playing something that's like in Mizzix where you have a gazillion X spells and that's how you're building the deck, doesn't do as hot. But in here, no questions, complete slam dunk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tuck, round out the bottle capping. What are you so, cutting and what are you adding? Yeah, I am cutting out. You're it's cutting kind of fire. It's kind of, yeah, that was kind of on the list. It's like, uh, you don't run that many instants. Um, I think Ryona is a, is a good one. Personally, I'm cutting out uh, Mind's Desire just because it just... <sighs> okay, I could see that. It's too, like, this... How can I word this? I have run this in decks and wanted it to work more than anything else in my life. And you always... Me too. It, I think if you compare this to the... If you compare this to Creative Technique... At least then you know you're getting two copies of it, right? You're paying yep. your five, you're getting two copies, right? The problem with Mind's Desire is you, I think this deck, you really need to build around it, right? Um, mm -hmm. You really need to build around knowing that like, what my goal of the game is to cast Brainstorm six times to get trick, to get Storm Count up to whatever, and then Mind's Desire, right? Yeah. So for me, I just don't like how inconsistent it is, right? And that's why it's a spice because... Yes. When I want to cast it, I may only be able to cast one other spell that turn, or I might be able to cast like eight. Yeah. And it, it's very much kind of like how we talked about with Stitch in Time. It's floor and ceiling. Now, it's floor is a little bit higher than Stitch in Time because you at least get to do the you effect do, you for get once. Some, you get, <laughs> get something out get of it. Something. Yeah. But to Tuck's point, I mean, I, Tuck, I even put this in my Animar deck, considering I'm constantly bouncing Animar, yeah, right. building up Storm Count, infinite mana. And it's like, oh, well, Mind's Desire seems like a slam dunk. Could never get it to work in the deck so it's it's i just, hear you yeah. there it's it's definitely a, a if you build around it it's a greasy card but like if you're just throwing it in the 99 if for me it's a little too sweaty for what we're doing here um i don't know if you have one of these lying around because it keeps creep creeping up but come on just because will you need one of these in here like so bad what are you looking Do I not at? have one in here i don't think so oh i thought i did <laughs> okay yeah so again so that, that, ex that explains why it's not in there because i thought it was in there yeah exactly so again I, that's why i was so surprised i was like am i really gonna pull one over on mr combo <laughs> you, so jessica's will is amazing two colorless and a red for a sorcery choose one if you control a commander as you cast a spell me choose both add red mana for each card and target opponent's hand exile the top three cards of your library you may choose them this you may play them this turn so you've already talked about how we talked about how this is like you in a bucket of like you build your decks top down right you have all your other mana spells in here like you put in all your different rituals you're gonna yep. get both the casts off this you're probably gonna copy it it's gonna go off this is like this card is just like so good in any is it spellslinger deck it's bonkers it's, i mean there's an argument to made it's just good in all decks yeah, yeah you just put if you're if you're playing red and cast your commander put it in your yeah. deck yeah i mean that's a pretty that's a pretty good argument <laughs> Yeah, uh, I 100%. I, I genuinely did think this was already in the deck. Well, I, I know I got a copy or two in my Commander Legend boxes. Yeah. But I'm trying to think of like what decks I put this in. I mean, I, I'd probably put this in my CEDH deck because this seems yes. like this makes sense for that. Maybe um, like a Neheb because you make so much mana. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll have to figure that out. But I mean, honestly. Um, I have nothing to say, so I guess I'll just roll to the end credits because we're at the end of the episode. <laughs> cut, cut the credits. As promised, here's the details about the giveaway from level one. Uh, like we talked about, we're giving away four Mystical Archive Japanese alternate art cards this month. Each episode, we're talking about one of the cards that we'll be giving you. We've already talked about the Growth Spiral. 
uh, that is foil. We've already talked about the Chaos War. That's just near mint. Uh, now we're on to everyone's favorite ramp card, Cultivate. Uh, so this will also be a foil Japanese Mystical Archive Cultivate. Uh, hopefully, you'll have a green deck near you. Ooh. We will announce the winner of this set on our MTG Action 4 News segment on August the 4th. And we will post it on our Twitter account soon after. And these giveaways will happen every month. It just depends on uh, what our sponsor is willing to hook us up with. But we would love a five-star review, a follow, a subscribe on whatever consumption platform you're watching us on. But and if you would like to get a hold of the cast, here's how you can do that. You can reach me at Mr. Comet number five on Twitter, all spelled out except for the five. Big Tuck, where could people possibly get a hold of you? Now, I know that you are, I know you and your SO are potentially big musical fans. Have you seen in, have you seen in the Heights yet? We have not. Okay, it's not that Whose good. Whose birthday is it? Uh, the classic, the man, the myth, the legend, Jimmy Smith's. It's Jimmy Smith's birthday. Come I have no on. idea who that is. Uh, Senator Bale Organa or whatever his name is from the. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, I, I more know him as the. Uh, uh, politician in Dexter that was a serial killer. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Or also in uh, uh, West, West Wing? Sons he of Anarchy. Was, oh, yeah, yeah, he's Nero, yeah. He's like, yeah. oh, there, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a myth. Uh, turns out he does have a Twitter account, and it's been open since 2009, and as our good pal, the Duffman pointed out, the only thing that's changed since 2009 is he changed his profile picture once. Uh, but if you want to see <laughs> other celebrities... You can see me at Big Tuck tweeting online on the Twitterverse. Uh, rather, you, you can reach our main account at CMD Tower on Twitter as well. We do have a website, cmdtower.com, where the deck list and on all of our selections and YouTube video and all the good stuff will be posted uh, at cmdtower.com slash BNBE99. Basically, type in creative technique, mana geyser, dig through time, tower.com. Squeeby Gee, if people want to find out get a hold of your Manolith commentary, how would they do that? If you'd like to support the show uh, as well as hook up the sponsor with the orders you're already doing, head over to loveonegameshop.com. When you place an order in the order notes, just type out CMD Tower so they know that you came from the collective. And of course, uh, they are amazing people down there in the crossroads here in Kansas City. They do the monthly giveaways. So any business you can give them lets them know that supporting CMD Tower is what some people would call quote unquote worth it. If you would, though, like to give us uh, direct financial help so we can continue to improve our content, which the big one right now, we've realized that our uh, workstation PC can't really handle uh, <laughs> recording video and putting it at a high quality when it comes to streaming so we can start streaming on Twitch for you guys. So uh, we're, we need to upgrade that. So any and all money goes towards improving uh, at our patreon.com slash CMD tower uh, from a dollar to $25 a month. There's a way that you, the collective, can help. And of course, we do have our store, cmdtower.com slash merch, Redacted Bit, get stuff out of my basement. <laughs> uh, we do have a referral program, Redacted Bit. If you're a patron, uh, just have your person that you recommended to join the collective, shoot us a message, and we'll send you some free swag. 
And then, of course, uh, you get additional entries into our monthly giveaways, being a part of our patron community. Uh, redacted bit, banned, uh, non-redacted bit, at underscore Tcoats, our fantastic video editor. Go hit up Tyler, let him know on YouTube by subscribing to the channel. I think we're at like at 120, 150 subs right now. Oh, nice. Uh, would love to get close to 1,000 before the end of the calendar year. Uh, and, you know, the more you guys subscribe to the channel, even if maybe you don't get to watch every single one, it lets Tyler know that he you appreciate the work he's putting in. And maybe you'll drunk binge it one day like I'm going to do tonight. So, Tuck, we're at the end of the episode. Zafi's Uncontrollable Orchestra. Curious, coming into the deck versus ending, how, do you, how did you feel and how are you feeling now? About the same. Um, honestly, I feel that this is the. So, is it if you're gonna build? Is it Spellslinger? It's really easy to do, right? You you pick up a copy of Mizix and then just go to town, right? You can build it with any budget or anything like that. So, I think the reason why I like this is the same reason why I like like why I tore apart my Mizix and made Kaza, uh, the Wizard Harry deck, is that you like sort of you don't quote unquote handicap yourself because there's plenty of powerful cards in here. We're just trying to get, you're trying to do a similar thing in a different way. So like, yeah. that's why I like this deck. I like the fact that it, the, that you get so much value out of the copies. Um, and maybe that's like the way that that's maybe the way that you want to keep leaning into it. I, I really think that this, this Zaffy, Zaffy, whatever the storm conductor or uh, collector, if you will, depending on what variation you read can be built in a lot of different ways. Completely agree. And, you know, as we've talked about on this cast, is it was one of those colors that was a very big struggle bus for me to build because I didn't want to do the exact yep. same is it deck that everyone else does. Um, and so, you know, that's where initially I started with Brutoclad. Very different idea. You know, I kind of manipulated a little bit of what Commander Cookout Podcast did right. with their seven dwarf tribal because they still had instant sorceries. I went with the all permanent route with the little flavor of cycling uh, Sharknado. And then same thing with this. I saw it. It was a lot of fun. But Zafi doesn't feel like other is it commanders because a lot of them, it's on the face. We're copying the spells like Lutri does. We are reducing your spells by a significant mm -hmm. amount. Uh, we're letting you play off the top of your library. When you do, you get to copy. It's like they by themselves are creating copies or reducing costs. So you can just kind of storm or combo right. off. And Zafi is just like, whatever you do... I'm going to give you a token. I'm going to let you scry or I'm going to throw 10 damage, but you still have to initiate everything. I can't help you do anything. Exactly. And that's where I think she's a little bit different because other is it commanders help you get to your ridiculous stuff. She's just supplemental value. She's just where she's there waiting for the ridiculous stuff to happen around her. Right. Yeah. And similar. And sense, all she does with the ridiculous stuff is just give you more stuff. It doesn't even right. fuel the ridiculous stuff in similar sense to how a conductor does not play an instrument. Oh, <gasps> Ooh, but guides others on how to do it well. God. Oh, wait, I got, I, I, guess I, have, a just... I have a quote to end on. I have a quote to end on, right? So when Steve, when Steve, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's it. Uh, so Steve Jobs got in the movie Jobs, which is incredible. They get in an argument with Wozniak, right? And he's like, your first chair, you sit over there, you're really good at what you do, right? And then they turn back to Jobs or Zaffer. He's like, well, what do you do? And he turns around and he says, I play the orchestra and then walks out. Oh, damn. Oh, bam.